0: I am very thankful to be here tonight, to be here tonight with all of you, to wonderful and sweet presence of the Lord, thankful for you, thankful to have this body where we can be encouraged and strengthened by one another, to thankful that we have a place to come to. You may be seated. And uh, while you're being seated, I think I have some anxious kids that would like to not be with me tonight, so you're welcome to go to Sunday school in the back. And there's some youth who uh, would not like to be called kids, but that will never change. And they may go downstairs as well. And I would dismiss the ladies, but you guys finished your series last week, I believe. All right. So if we can turn to the book of Matthew this month. You've already read a few chapters out of the book of Matthew. You'll read a few more, and then as time goes on, a few more. But I'd like to work a little bit through Gen- or Matthew, not Genesis, <laughs> Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2. Um, I think I'll, I'll start out and I'll just highlight uh, verse 15 and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Well, um, We'll start with verse 14 and it says, And he arose and he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord of the spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then we'll go on and we'll read down through verse seventeen. It says Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth and sent forth, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken of by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they were not. Lord Jesus, I ask you to talk to us tonight. Encourage us. Open our understanding to your word, God. May we be in, enlightened and drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name. And I would like to talk to you tonight about, a, well, a keen is born, and I'd like to talk to you about fulfillment. Fulfillment. And if uh, you were part of our coffee group this last Sunday, I, or not Sunday, last Saturday, I talked a little bit about the book of Matthew and just took a moment to walk through the genealogy here in chapter 1. But uh, um, I, I like to just take a book and to study it. And so this month, the Lord willing, we'll spend some time here looking at parts of the book of Matthew and, and, and hope, hopefully bringing to um, your understanding something that maybe you haven't, some things you haven't seen before and to encourage you. And some things we'll highlight even tonight and, and you're very much aware of them. But uh, the book of Matthew has some different themes in it. And one theme is royalty. It's royalty. And another theme, and I don't think we'll spend that much time talking about it tonight, but but you see a revolution. And and then you see uh, allusions to Moses and to the Old Testament and completion and fulfillment. There's 54 references to the Old Testament in the book of Matthew. There's... Some would even say even more. There's 262 allusions or parallels reaching back to the Old Testament. And Matthew does something here because it's more than just prophetic fulfillment. A lot of times you search the scriptures and, and maybe you can raise your hand for this, but you'll read something and somebody will say, that's a prophecy. I'm not trying to diminish that with my voice right there. I just wanted to change my voice. No, you say, that's a prophecy. And then you go read that, and you're like, how did they get that prophecy? Have you ever been there? And you're like, well, I see it. I see it right there. I see it. But what about all the other scriptures around? Well, there's a couple things I'll encourage you to do. One, go read all the other scriptures around. Look at the entire passage. Not Don't stop with the chapter number. Go to the previous chapter. Look at the book. Just begin to get an understanding of what's happening here. But Matthew comes along, and he does something that's... That's a little bit more than just prophecy. He says this phrase that it might be fulfilled or was fulfilled or is fulfilled or should be fulfilled. In my counting, I counted 17 verses in Matthew that dealt with fulfilled or being fulfilled. And, and a reader that, or a guy I read had 12 that he brought out as directly tying to this fulfillment. And, Matthew is really trying to draw your attention to that it's more than just completing a prophecy. But that Jesus did things for us that in the past was only a shadow. Something that couldn't quite happen like it was supposed to. We'll get some more there and you'll say, well, your words, I think they they make a little more sense. But let's not rush into there. So we begin, and we open up the book of Matthew, and it begins with the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And if you were at coffee, I read this verse right here, and what do I see here? If you go to the Old Testament, you go to the book of Genesis, you'll see where it talks about the generations of Adam and the generations of Noah in the generations of Abraham. And uh, and if I wanted to go down your generations, you would say, okay, well, start with me, and then go on down through my children. Or if we wanted to go back and you said, well, hey, I want to know my ancestry, you'd go back and you'd try to find this person back here. And we all sprung from that person. It makes sense. But I think we... Fly right by here when it says, the book of the generation of, not Abraham, but of Jesus Christ. Why? Because in the past it was, look at Adam and what came from him. Look at Abraham and what came from him. But now we get to look at Jesus and what came from him. And we see that it says, the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of... Abraham and we can go down through these verses and there's 17 of them and I think I've told you this before but then we have like 28 27 28 chapters here where it tells us all about what Jesus did and so we have these these verses that tell us who his ancestors were but then we begin to find out what it was the work that God did And this is only the beginning. But the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Why the son of David and why the son of Abraham? Well, you may not yourself think of Abraham as a king, but Abraham for his time was a king. He was royalty within the region. He didn't have to serve any other nation. He was his own thing and he had his own people and he could put together an army and he could go in and he could conquer. When when Lot was taken and then the cities were taken, he went after them and he had a military that he put together and he was somebody that other people looked at. So while as they didn't call him, we don't read scripture where they called him King Abraham, he was royalty when people looked at him and he was royalty because God called him royalty. God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. And then we don't just stop there, but we go on down through Israel's history, and we hit this son of David, and um, to David was, per, um, was given the promise of an everlasting throne. And so Matthew opens up to, to, the, um, to the Christians and to the, the believers, and he says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, who comes from royal roots. Oh, he's not just somebody that showed up on the scene, but he's of this lineage, and he's fulfilling royalty in his bloodline. And, and so he begins to go down through here, and if you read the book of Luke and you begin to compare genealogies, you'd say, well, Luke is different. Because Matthew is trying to highlight royalty. And he goes down through this, this king and that king, and he, he starts with Abraham, and he gets to David, and then he goes through the royal lineage. And then just when you think it would stop, they go into captivity. And and you would think it would be over, but Matthew goes ahead and he begins to tell us, but another one is born, and another one is born. And it's as if to say, hey, that royal lineage that you thought disappeared when they went into captivity, and and when they were taken over by the Medes and the Persians, and, and they were hauled in by the Assyrians, and when they went into Babylon it continued and so we get down to verse 18 and it says now the birth of jesus christ was on this wise when as his mother mary was espoused to joseph before they came together she was found with child of the holy ghost says then joseph her husband being a just man and not willing to make a public example of her was minded to put her away privately you're saying man what are you talking about christmas for right now lucas but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, "Joseph, and I really like this part, thou son of David." And I liked it because it jumped off the page at me. Why? Because you thought royalty ended. Joseph, you're just somebody else out here. You're a dad. You're, you're just you're just you're just a, you're just a person out here. And I say you're a dad because Depending on what you read, they, they were like, Joseph might have been married before. When was his sons born? But, but Joseph, you're just another individual out here, right? He, wait, Joseph, you, you, Joseph you're, just, you're just here, right? And what does the angel tell him? What does God remind him of? Joseph, thou son of David. And I think somebody needs to be reminded tonight that you have royal roots, that you're not just an ordinary person. You maybe think that that God stopped a long time ago, but God's showing up on the scene, and you're seeing dreams, and you're seeing angels show up, and and you're seeing the divine happen and the miraculous moving. and And, and I want somebody to know that in this corrupt world, and in and in your family that maybe have gone through hard times, and and maybe you have parents that weren't so great, or grandparents, or great grandparents, and and you think, man, that's a mess. That that. You have royal roots. God really did call you out. And he really did put his hand on you. And Joseph, when he promised a kingship to David, he meant for it to come to pass. Joseph, thou son of David. Joseph, thou son of David. I can almost as hear as if he's telling him it's been a long time. But we're doing something here. We're doing something here. You see, Israel, it's almost as if they never really came out of captivity. Yeah, they were brought back, and you read Ezra and Nehemiah, and you see him come back into the land. You you see him rebuild the temple, and you see the Greeks then come in, and then you see that this guy Herod, who's not of the lineage of, of David, comes in and he's king, and, and you see him build his his temple and and, and you see all this going on and, and before that you saw the guy of the Greeks and Tychus and Epiphany came in and and he had the abomination of desolation and, and then you see that uh, uh, um, they came in and they overthrew him and, and, and you see all this unfold and yet the people are like, hey, it feels like there should be a Messiah here. But we have yet to see the Shekinah glory of God come down. Things aren't like they used to be. It, it's, it's not quite what we thought it should be. It's, it's, yeah, we, we thought we were supposed to come out of the land and not be in bondage anymore. And we shouldn't be in quite this same struggle. It just doesn't feel right. You hear me, Brother Keith? It's, uh, he, he does hear me. I'm just uh, calling him out in the, from the front to the back, right? And uh, it just doesn't feel right. Something is missing. And Matthew comes along and he tells us about fulfillment. And he says, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know all this royalty? You know this temple where you thought the glory should shine? You know this this whole deliverance? It was a a new exodus out of Babylon? Let me tell you something, Joseph. There's going to be an Emmanuel. God with us. I guess I didn't read that verse yet, did I? It says, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Oh, the glory that Israel longed for, that it longed to shine down on them, it... it, it was happening, and they didn't quite see it for what it was. it was. This was the moment where their exodus would come to pass. This, this language, this being called out, this, this polling. But I see here this passage, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, this is another one of those cases. Now, when, you've, when you read this, I notice that Matthew, when he says that it might be fulfilled, and you might like to do this and go through every spot, but when I go back and read those scriptures, a different story's is taking place. When I go back into the book of Isaiah, they were looking for an Emmanuel back then. But that Emmanuel didn't do it perfectly. Things didn't happen exactly the way that they thought it should be. You see, it's more than just a prophecy coming to pass. But when Jesus steps into your life, he actually makes the thing that should have happened, happen. Oh, I, I know that you understand the words that I'm saying, but, but he doesn't just make you a little bit clean. When Jesus came into your life and he forgave you of your sins, you literally were no longer bound by sin. When when he came in and, and he said, when he said those words, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee, those sins were literally forgiven no lamb that was brought to the tabernacle, no sacrifice that was made there, quite did what Jesus did when he walked on this earth and when he went to the cross and when he rose again and when he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and when he filled you with his spirit and when you were baptized in his name. Those ways of doing it in the Old Testament, it didn't quite do it that way. But when God did it, it fulfilled it. And because He lives, I can live. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. When Jesus showed up on the scene, it fulfilled Scripture. Emmanuel in the past of God with us wasn't quite the same as God saying, No, I literally am going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. It's that fulfillment. That fulfillment. And so we step over here and we step into Matthew chapter 2 and we see royalty again. What, what What is Matthew telling us? He's saying, hey, let me show you some more fulfillment. You might think of the Queen of Sheba. And the Queen of Sheba came to Solomon and she brought gold and she brought spices and when she came and and she was astounded at everything that she saw and And the half hadn't even been told her. And she was amazed at all his wisdom and all the glory and the splendor. And when she saw his approach into the house of God, oh, she looked at Israel and she looked at this land and she looked at this king and and there was no more breath left and there was no more life left in her. She was amazed and astounded by it. And Matthew, what is he bringing out to us here? Oh, he's saying, wait a second. There's a real king born here today. Somebody greater than Solomon. Somebody greater than Solomon showed up on the scene. And, and No, he's not born. and, and there, there isn't some great king's house here right now. Oh, he's just born in lowly Bethlehem. But it fulfills Scripture. Oh, when the shepherds found him, they found him in a stable. And when the wise man came, he was just in a house. But Matthew says... Other people didn't quite recognize this caravan that came through, at least not until they got to Herod's house and shared some news, but these were magi. These were people that were royalty. I I want you to know that some kings came that way that day. Some, Some royalty came, and they made a journey, and they were paying attention, and they came to find the king. And when they found him, they worshipped him. And that, wor- that word worship isn't just, oh, he's so sweet. But they fell out before him. Oh, they got on their face. This is the king. What does Matthew want his readers to know? Hey, something exciting happened here. Something special happened. Oh, most of the world didn't know what was going on but royalty showed up. Oh, you, it wasn't Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. No, this is the king, the eternal king. And they brought what they had, and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Oh, they reached in. They got some spices. They got some gold. They got gifts worthy of a king. The magi, royalty, fulfillment. Fulfillment. So they come in and they they go to Herod's house and they visit with him and they tell him somebody's been born. Why was Herod scared? <laughs> Why? Because Herod was not of the root of David. And all of a sudden, you can just see it. Wait a second. And he goes <laughs> he goes to the the people who were supposed to know better. People who heard, but they knew the book, but they didn't follow. And we talked about that a while back. But he goes, why? Is there somebody out there? Is the real king showing up today? Oh, I want you to know that Jesus is the king that was told about. He fulfilled everything in the book. And when you meet him, he's, he, he's done Everything. He's everything that you need. He's everything that you really hoped for. He's everything that people truly desired. Whether you be a Hebrew or a Greek, whether you be from Russia or the United States, Jesus is the one who really has it all. He's of the tribe of Judah. Oh, his roots go all the way back to the beginning. Oh, he was the plan before we were ever created. Oh, before God ever spoke the earth into existence, Jesus was God. And that plan to come was already in the mind of God. Hallelujah. Royalty. And so he came. And and we see these royalty shows up, and they go to the king, and, and then they come and they worship. Let's go on down and... We'll get to the verses that we read here. And we see that that they fled to Egypt. Why? Because Herod came to kill the child. You know, Bishop, when God begins to do a work that he called out, and he begins to fulfill his word. Hear me, church. When God begins to fulfill his word, not just bring about a prophecy that somebody stood over this pulpit and and, and spoke. And there's been many prophetic words that went forth, but it's something more than that. That's not just God crossing the T and putting a, a dot on the I or putting a period on the end of the sentence. No, it's Him showing up and saying it's time. And I just feel like there's some some fulfillment that's beginning to come a pass to come to pass in Omaha. That there's been prayers and and, and words that's gone forth about Nebraska and, and God saying, hey, there's so fulfillment that's going to occur in the United States in Nebraska and in Omaha. This nation was founded on this idea of liberty. And it was founded on the idea of of God. And it was founded on the idea of the pursuit of happiness. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And are due by their creator creator with inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Forgive me if I butchered the language just a little bit there. But if I want to talk about fulfillment, I know that's not some scripture, but let me tell you, real liberty comes in the spirit. Real liberty comes when you found an altar and you begin to cry out to Jesus Christ. And it's not happiness, but it's the pursuit of joy. Oh, and it's not just the pursuit, but it's fulfillment. And while I'm mentioning that, sometimes you wonder why you go through struggle and strife. But it's when you get through that struggle that suddenly you realize, you know, living for God, it's the best thing ever. You, you, if it was just in your life to start with and you never heard or you never gone through frustration or trial, you wouldn't have really realized what it was that you had. But, but once you went through some things and then you turned and you said, wait a second. He loves me. He cares about me. He, he thinks this much of me. You don't need to discount all your struggles. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You're not going to find it in the Constitution or in the Declaration of Independence in the United States of America. Not completely. But you'll find it in Jesus Christ. And so it goes on here. and We read this passage. It says, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Now, maybe you've wondered on this, too. Sister Powell, maybe you've wondered, like, why, why does it say that? Why did Jesus have to go back to Egypt? Well, this passage right here, this passage out of the Old Testament, Hosea 11, chapter 11, if you go back and read it, it's a reiteration of how God had called the people out of Egypt and yet they kept sinning. And you're like, is that even a prophecy? That's what Matthew's saying. It's more than a prophecy. Why? Because he called Israel out of Egypt. But they didn't quite get it. But God said, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come out of sin. Oh, you're going to see me go down into Egypt. And what Israel didn't do... I'm going to do. What Israel didn't really bring to pass when they came out of Egypt. Oh, what did God do? He went down into Egypt, and then He said, I can get this right. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, He went down there, and in Israel, they kept sinning, and they kept rejecting God. But when God went into Egypt, He came out and He fulfilled Scripture. He said, I'm going it's, to... It's, it's more than a prophecy. It's making things complete and whole as they should be. It's more than him just being that perfect lamb that takes away our sins. But it's taking lambs that couldn't really forgive your sin and now making sacrifice complete and whole and perfect as it should be. Out of Egypt have I called my son. What is God doing here? He says, I'm going to get it Right. And then we kept reading and we read verse 17. It says, Then was fulfilled which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Now, when you look at this passage, and what you see here is, you see, it's a reference to Rachel and her, her crying out and, and her, her desire and her hurting and her pain. Why? Because she saw the people of Israel from the grave sold in, or, or taken into captivity. If you turn to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31, it's verse 15. It says, Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation in bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus saith the Lord. And I'm going to pause there just for a moment. Because why would Matthew bring this passage out? Why, why, Brother Jeremy, would he bring this out? It's because in Jeremiah we see Rachel weeping. And we see here in in the book of Matthew that Herod had killed the children in the region and there was, it wasn't a huge population, and it probably wasn't a ton of children. Um, they used to try to say it was maybe thousands of children, but like as not it was probably, it was not that many but but yet we see Matthew saying, "Hey, look at this! why is he referring to this passage? Why does he reach back to Jeremiah and I see it because what we find here is that God is letting the people know that He's bringing them out of captivity. That they don't have to be bound anymore. That everything's going to change. And as we stood here and we worshiped tonight and we called on God, I, I thought about anxiety and I thought about struggle and I thought about frustration and strife. And And my mind went back here even to Rachel and she's looking at the captivity of the people and she's weeping and she's crying. But I want somebody to know that in spite of the danger and in spite of the struggle, in spite of the frustration, there's good news of great joy to all people. Oh, what is it saying here? Thus saith the Lord, refrain from thy weeping and thine eyes from tears. For thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy." Hallelujah. He's saying, wait a second. Rachel, I know you're crying from the grave. Oh, but I'm doing a great work here. I I, I know that they've been taken into bondage. I know that you've seen them go away. And I I know you don't see your children here. But this is all going to change. So if I could fast forward to the book of Matthew. You see, the birth of Jesus, it was a bloody time. It was a struggling time. Oh, but... He was bringing things to pass. And and you see Herod, he got out there and and, and he was trying to end the work that God said was going to happen. And so Matthew tells us there's a fulfillment here of Rachel weeping for her children. Oh, The enemy would like to come along and say, this thing is not going to come to pass. I I started down that path earlier. Prophecies have gone out across Omaha. Words have gone, uh, gone out over Omaha. But the call of God for the people of Omaha is going to come to pass. And the enemy would like to rise up. And he would like to put a stop to it. He would like to say, hey, you know what, I can put an end to this. I can get into your home. And I can get into your marriage. He would like to attack your leadership. Why? It's not because we want to elevate ourselves. It's not because we want to say, Hey, I have a title called pastor. If you would like a title called pastor, I think any of us would be happy to exchange for you. To know the call of God is precious. I don't fully mean that. We love you all and appreciate you. But when you go through struggle and you go through hurt when you preach a word and you see somebody walk away from it. But then when you see people that reach out and they connect with God and they make up their mind, I'm going to follow God even when I don't understand it, even when it hurts. And when you see people come from the depths of despair and they make a commitment, then you're like, God, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to do, Rachel weeping for her children. I, I see this, this bloody time, and I see that even though he was trying to end, Herod was trying to end the work of God, that Matthew's telling us this is going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. Before I jump a little further ahead in Matthew, the last verse here, verse 23. You see, as they came out of Egypt... And they made their journey. They came to Nazareth. Nazareth, and verse twenty-three says, "And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, He shall be called a Nazarene." Now, in my reading on this, people are like, "Why a Nazarene? What? Where is that in the scripture? What? What? What verse is that? Where? Where were they getting at there?" And you may wish to study it and look a little bit deeper into it. Some talk about that in the Hebrew it looks awful lot like Nazarite. And maybe there's some things there. And and they allude to some other things. But he's like, the one writer I looked at said, no, I don't think that's quite it. We go to John chapter 1, verse 46. And it says, and Nathaniel said, can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. John chapter 7, verse 27, says, starting at verse 25, it says, Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is not this he whom ye seek to kill? But lo, he speaketh boldly, and they say nothing unto him. Do, they, do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? And then verse 27, Howbeit we know this man whence he is, but when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. And then Isaiah 53 says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there shall be no beauty that we shall desire him. The, these passages together, and we could go on here, and we may down through Isaiah 53, those are beautiful scriptures. But it speaks of a man that's a nobody. A nobody. Somebody that you wouldn't have picked out. You, you wouldn't have recognized. You didn't know that he was born in Bethlehem. You didn't know that his lineage was royalty. He instead he came from the north. Jerusalem considered themselves to be the kind of the religious elite. But this one comes from Nazareth. Who, who comes from Nazareth? Like, is there anything good that can come from there? And so, Matthew, when he says that it might be fulfilled, that he shall be called a Nazarene. Very well, men may have been saying that it might be fulfilled. Can anything good? Like, we're, can, he, he's not going to be recognized. He's he's not going to be well thought of. People are going to look at him. There's not going to be comeliness. He's he's just going to be maybe a nobody that shows up on the scene. Oh, but let me tell you, he wasn't a nobody. Oh, they looked at him and they didn't esteem him. They looked at him and and. And he was rejected and he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief and we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God. Oh, this Jesus. He came and they didn't recognize him. They didn't know him. And he came to bear our sorrows, our grief. Then, Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, if you turn to Matthew chapter 26, and Jesus here is being arrested, he tells them to put up their swords. In verse fifty four, he says, "But how then shall all Scripture be fulfilled?" He told him, "Hey, you know, if I just wanted, if I wanted to, I could get twelve legions of angels. But then, sh- how shall Scripture be fulfilled? How could it all come to pass? How how could we see everything that needed to be done be done?" If I don't go ahead and let, let them arrest me, he, he could have turned and He could have said to the disciples, there, He's saying to him, Hey, if I don't let them take me, put away your sword. Why? We've got to not just bring prophecy to pass. We've got to fulfill this thing. Your sins, it, it can't be forgiven the old way. I've got to go all the way. How then shall Scripture be fulfilled? And in that same hour, Jesus said, Jesus, to the multitudes, and are you come out against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But this was done, that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. Might be fulfilled. I had a few more that I was thinking of reading here but we could stand to our feet I don't know if I'll bring it out later this month or not but we could have gone into chapter 27 and talked about the potter's field and the 30 pieces of silver but Jesus here he came to fulfill scripture he came as a king He came as royalty. He came to take your sorrows. and So I don't know where you're at tonight, and I don't know what all you've been struggling with. You may have borne anxiety right here on your shoulders and on your chest. And when I think back to when Jesus fled to Egypt and those babies were killed and the anxiety that had gripped the land as they were in bondage to the Romans and the struggle that was going on. I see that Jesus is on the scene, and Matthew is letting us know, hey, this is a fulfillment of Scripture. And where you see sorrow and you see crying, I see a God that's telling them they don't have to weep anymore. I see a God that's saying, hey, that that there's a good news on the scene, and where you see somebody running to Egypt, I see a God that says, "You know what? Israel came out and rejected me, but I'm coming out and I'm going to deliver. I'm going to save the world." And, and when you get there to His crucifixion, yes, it's a sorrowful time, and, and Jesus suffered, and we need to be moved by that. And when we take communion and every day, I, we need to remember what He did for us. But, but Jesus did it that He could fulfill. Scripture, and in doing so, rescue you and save you and and give you hope. And so, as you journey through the book of Matthew, I want you to think about his royalty, the lineage that you're a part of, because he made you kings and queens. And I want you to think about that what God brings to pass is complete, and he doesn't just allude to something, but he fulfills it. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you today, God. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us of our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for, for being our hope and being our, our resurrection. And, and God, for, for doing, Lord, what, what we could only do just a little bit of and what, what Scripture God, what in the Old Testament was never completely satisfied. You came, God, and you fulfilled it. You became the sacrifice. You became the the resurrection. You, oh God, became the, the price that we needed. You became our hope, Lord. Oh God, You became our light in a dark place. And Lord Jesus, we know that because You live, we can face tomorrow. And because, God, that You bore our iniquities. And, and because You were beaten for us, God, that, that we can have joy and we can have hope and we can come through struggle. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love You, Jesus, and I worship You. Can you go ahead and just lift your voice? I love You, Jesus. I love You, Jesus. Give Him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank You, Jesus. Oh, you are holy, you are righteous, you are fulfillment, you are hope. Thank you, Jesus. I love this topic of, I love that, that word fulfillment. I've said it a boatload tonight probably in the hundreds of times. Um, but I, I, I love it because it's, it's more, it's, it's God completing things in my life. It's him doing what he said he would do. And we're going to see here, and as we journey through Matthew, yeah, we still live in these non-glorified bodies. But hear me, church. Jesus has filled you with his spirit. He lives in you. He's here on earth right now. And one day, all of this is going to be completed, and it's going to come to pass. So hold on. And don't give up because God is going to complete the work that he began. And all things will be fulfilled. God bless you. We'll see you here Sunday.